This is the More Than Right Podcast, an independent view of politics and American culture. I'm your host, Steve Lopez. It wasn't all that long ago that the Twitter mob, egged on by the mainstream media, CNN in particular, demanded audio streaming service Spotify deplatform comedian and podcaster Joe Rogan. His sin was spreading so-called misinformation regarding the now discredited science surrounding the COVID-19 pandemic. In one of several CNN editorials demanding Rogan's removal from the public square was that of University of Texas professor Peniel E. Joseph. Quote, the right-wing conservative support for Rogan belies the myth that his show represents a reasonable middle or common ground uniting average Americans untethered to the left-right spectrum of American politics. This myth reflects the lies Americans tell themselves about race, democracy, free speech, and capitalism. Unquote. And where is it written in the Bill of Rights? that only the free speech of those supposedly representing views of a reasonable middle or common ground are protected. And who exactly sets that standard? CNN? Professor Peniel Joseph? The Department of Homeland Security's Disinformation Governance Board? None of the above, of course. Free speech is free speech. Censorship only works to the extent that the sniveling, pencil-necked dweebs running big tech acquiesce to the canceling demands of programmed Twitter bots and authoritarian Democrats, fearing the collapse of the mainstream media's dishonest narratives. And speaking of dishonest narratives, Rogan had none other than Facebook co-founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg as a guest. And, as is usually the case, Rogan asked the question, that elicited an interesting and unexpected response. Rogan asked, quote, How do you guys handle things when there's a big news item that's controversial? Like, there was a lot of attention on Twitter during the election because of the Hunter Biden laptop story. So you guys censored that as well. Unquote. Zuckerberg responded by saying the FBI told him and his team, quote, we thought there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of information that's similar to that, unquote. The FBI was clearly getting ready to declare the New York Post's bombshell Hunter Biden laptop story Russian disinformation, and those discussing it as shills of Vladimir Putin. We now know the claims of Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election was a Democrat deep state fiction designed to smear the incoming President Trump as an intelligence asset of Russia. We also know the standards for gaining warrants in counterintelligence operations are so much lower than criminal investigations. This explains the absurd and laughable spy charge leveled at Trump and members of his 2016 campaign team. But there is one constant throughout the Russia collusion hoax, and more recently, the Justice Department's raid to recover so-called classified U.S. nuclear secrets stored at Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. That constant 
is the FBI, the Democratic Party's secret police, and America's Gestapo. Thanks to Joe Rogan's question to Mark Zuckerberg regarding big tech censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop story, we now know beyond all doubt that the FBI, not Russian intelligence, interfered in the 2016 and 2020 presidential elections, and furthermore, seek to do the same in the upcoming 2024 race for the White House. The little reported revelation also explains why so few Americans trust the skewed coverage by the mainstream media, who unquestioningly repeat the FBI's ridiculous anti-Trump leaks as though true. This also explains why Joe Rogan's audience surpasses that of news outlets ABC, NBC, CBS, and CNN combined. And remember, Rogan is a podcaster. The Joe Rogan experience draws 11 million listeners per episode. ABC, for example, has a nightly audience of 7.6 million. CNN, by comparison, manages a meager 1.2 million evening viewers. More importantly, Joe Rogan's audience averages 25 years of age, a vital demographic for media advertisers and a much-desired voting block in American politics. A joint UNICEF-Gallup survey finds people ages 15 to 24 get most of their news from social media. Ironically, they also take said news with a healthy dose of skepticism. But young and old alike hold something in common, a distrust of the mainstream media. And that distrust hovers around 70% for both groups. The same media that dutifully parrots the FBI's talking points. The same media used by the FBI to promote its disinformation campaigns against Trump. The same FBI that spies on concerned and vocal parents. The same FBI that funnels its media stenographers claims Trump had U.S. nuclear secrets at his Florida home and, as MSNBC's John Heilman speculates, likely handed them over to a foreign power for personal gain. It's Russia collusion 2.0. But Americans of all ages are now familiar with the purpose behind the actions of the FBI and their media stooges, to interfere in and subvert another U.S. presidential election. But it must not be working. Hence the unprecedented and desperate raid on Mar-a-Lago. As theologian and author C.S. Lewis observed, quote, Education without values, as useful as it is, seems rather to make man a more clever devil. Unquote. In that spirit, President Joe Biden signed an executive order forgiving student loan debt for America's educated elites, according to the former director of President Donald Trump's National Economic Council, Larry Kudlow. The scheme, quote, essentially robs the poor to pay the rich and will cost taxpayers roughly $500 billion, unquote. But the larger issue is understanding where President Biden 
got the legal authority to issue student debt forgiveness? Did the House of Representatives pass the necessary legislation earmarking tax dollars for student loan forgiveness? No. Biden claimed the authority under the dubious emergency powers invoked during the COVID-19 pandemic, powers that forced a national lockdown, mandated vaccinations, and face masks, and inspired blatant unconstitutional state restrictions on church gatherings and gun purchases. Restrictions, the CDC now admits, had no effect on reducing the lethality or spread of the disease. Emergency powers that included government payments for Americans to stay home. Payments that forced the Federal Reserve to print trillions of dollars backed by nothing, no goods, or rendered services. These are the reasons for today's hyperinflation. An inflation that will worsen thanks to Biden's wealth redistribution from poor and middle-class families to those wealthy households with kids earning expensive degrees. According to the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, quote, a typical recent medical school graduate will effectively receive nearly $50,000 of debt cancellation. A recent law school graduate will get $30,000 of cancellation and a recent master's degree recipient will get $13,500. At the same time, a recent bachelor's degree recipient will get $4,500 of debt cancellation. Someone who just completed an associate degree will receive $3,500, and a person who was unable to complete their undergraduate degree will get $2,000." Unquote. The Washington Post editorial board was equally appalled. Quote, the White House estimates that 20 million borrowers will see their ledgers wiped clean altogether. Yet student loan forgiveness of any kind is highly regressive, benefiting those who graduated college at the expense of the roughly 60% of Americans who didn't. An analysis released on Tuesday found that roughly 42% of the benefits of student loan forgiveness would go to the wealthiest two-fifths of Americans, with the bottom fifth receiving just 12%, unquote. But the student loan bailout is far worse than Americans suffering under Biden's inflation know. That's because the president's student bailout is a major financial boon for the factories of wokeism, that is to say, leftist American universities. Long before conservative voices were censored or outright banned from social media platforms, college campus activists invaded halls where conservative speakers addressed students. The purpose, of course, was to shout them down. Back in 2017, a leftist protesting conservative gadfly Milo Yiannopoulos, who was speaking at the University of Washington, shot and seriously wounded a fellow leftist demonstrator, mistaking him for an angry and violent white supremacist. It proves the left's activism against freedom is a weapon that eventually backfires. As will Biden's bailout of woke, university-educated elitists at the expense of hard-working, blue-collar American taxpayers. It seems the so-called party of the little guy has become the party of the well-heeled. As George Orwell once wrote, quote, 
The trouble is that intelligent, cultivated people, the very people who might be expected to have liberal opinions, never do mix with the poor. For what do the majority of educated people know? Of poverty. Unquote. But our educated and entitled sure know how to lord their sheepskins over the great unwashed of America. The very souls about to pay for the education of the elite's entitled offspring, without so much as a thank you. Liz Cheney's defeat signals the Republican Party is changing, and for the better. The GOP's compassionate conservative, bipartisan, neocon, pro-war component was handed its head in the recent Wyoming Republican primary, and those representing the status quo are a little frustrated. Journalist Amanda Marie Marcotte, formerly of Slate, The Guardian, and Salon, said Cheney, quote, just lost the primary that was conducted solely on the question of whether fascist insurrections are good or bad, unquote. That pretty much expresses the Democrat media complex's reaction to Cheney's defeat. That's because they view any Republican who doesn't see the world through Democrat-colored glasses as, you know, fascist insurrectionists. Anything or anyone that disturbs the mainstream GOP's compliant, one-party state of mind is not only an enemy of the status quo, but of the state, hence the label insurrectionist. America First populist former president Donald J. Trump is the man who represents this outright rejection of the Democrat subservient Cheney wing of the GOP, a man who brought a host of new voters into the Republican Party with his brash brand of nationalism. The man who appeals to those that reject the phony left-right paradigm. Those that saw their jobs exported to China by the same bipartisan Washington cabal that turns a blind eye to illegal immigration and works to achieve amnesty and a pathway to citizenship. NBC News recently released a poll that finds 50% of Republicans support Trump over their party. That's to say, half of the GOP's rank and file reject the tired, passive mediocrities and protectors of the party's most trusted ideological possessions. Compromise, weakness, and a deep, quivering fear of the news media and Hollywood. These traits separate today's GOP leaders from the aforementioned abandoned Americans. And these forgotten Americans also reject the idea that there exists people endowed with mystical knowledge making them uniquely qualified to rule unquestioned over them, like the elitists in Washington that believe unelected foreign bodies should control the economic and political destiny of Americans without their consent, especially as regards so-called global warming or climate change. Manufactured scientific consensus on climate change is used as a cudgel to silence opponents of restrictions placed on free Americans in the name of saving the planet. 
but the recent admissions by the Center for Disease Control of major mistakes in its handling of the COVID-19 pandemic, all in the name of public health, of course, proves how foolish Americans were to give up their autonomy to unelected bureaucrats. Such compliance is not in keeping with the American character of independence and love of individual freedom. The forgotten Americans, Trump supporters, are representative of that independence and won't blindly compromise their freedoms to so-called experts of any stripe. That's because they are just as distrustful of scientific experts as they are of political elites, or for that matter, royalty. No kings here, George Washington is said to have sternly declared to his disgruntled officers who advised him to seize power from Congress. No kings here. Republican leaders like Liz Cheney and Mitch McConnell, who fancy themselves guardians of the party of Lincoln, have failed to live up to principles noted in the Emancipator's Cooper Union speech. Quote, Neither let us be slandered from our duty by false accusations against us, nor frightened from it by menaces of destruction to the government, nor of dungeons to ourselves. Let us have faith that right makes might, and in that faith let us, to the end, dare to do our duty as we understand it. Unquote. If Trump now faces dungeons, he can thank squeamish Republicans like Cheney and McConnell for working in concert with the menaces of destruction to the American Republic. Trump appeals to forgotten Americans because he refuses to let media slanders, prosecutorial threats of imprisonment, and cowardly and inept Republican leaders stop him. You see, these forgotten Americans have formed a third party within the GOP, and with Trump's encouragement, it will grow and sweep aside the tired GOP's cynical old men and women, replacing them with a mix of younger and more diverse candidates, people who will become the party's dynamic, populist, America-first future. Recently, Senator McConnell told a gathering that Republicans should dampen their expectations for a Democrat-smashing red wave this November, which the media correctly interpreted as the Republican leader's way of badmouthing Trump-endorsed candidates. Clearly, McConnell and company fear America First populism more than they do the Democratic Party's growing authoritarianism. And what does that say about today's GOP leadership? But the establishment leaders in both parties are mistaken if for a moment they believe the America First movement will die simply because Trump is tossed into a dungeon. Forgotten Americans had their moment in the presidential election of 2016, in which Hillary Clinton went down to ignominious defeat. They will again in the 2022 midterms. And in 2024, if Mr. Trump survives the legal travails now before him, their presence will again be felt within the GOP and in national politics when Donald J. Trump stands for President of these United States. You see, MAGA isn't going anywhere. That concludes this edition of the More Than Right Podcast. Should you wish to leave a comment, you can reach us at morethanrightpodcast at gmail.com. 
And if you enjoyed the podcast, please give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. It will help promote the podcast and be much appreciated. Until next time, this is Steve Lopez. Steve Lopez.